The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to continue today in our study on the church, and today we're going to look at the mission of the church, its mission. Uh, We're going to begin looking at that in Ephesians chapter 4. If you'll look with me at verse number 1, we'll read together. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, uh, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Uh, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it, but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is in the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill fill all things. And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. I pray you bless us as we gather together. Bless the teaching of your word, instruct us, and encourage us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the past 36 years of ministry, I've often noticed churches that do not accomplish what they, as a church, are called to do. And the reason for that is because they are confused over what they are supposed to be doing. Uh, And so, because they're confused and uncertain, they have used human reasoning and popular opinion to define their mission of the church. Rather than adhere to God's word to find and define the church's mission. Churches are doing everything today but those things which they should be doing. I mean, you find churches all over America, and their main emphasis is food lockers. Uh, Maybe maybe their their emphasis is blood drives and and medical campaigns. Uh, They have soup kitchens, and they have have, uh, um, thrift stores, and they have all these different types of social services. Now, hear me out. There's nothing wrong with any of those. There's absolutely nothing wrong with having a food locker and having people bring food and donate food and you open that food up to homeless or, or to, to single mothers or, or to people like that who are in need. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Please understand me. There's absolutely nothing wrong with blood drives. We used to have one here. And there's nothing wrong with that. To, to have people come and, and donate the gift of life, donate blood and Things such as that. There's absolutely nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with a soup kitchen. 
and feeding people who are in need and are hungry. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that that's a wrong thing to do. But that's not the mission of the church. If, if a church is going to focus on those things as their primary mission, then they have failed. They have failed to, to, to understand the church's mission. Um, these are definite, as I said, these are definite social issues. And while we as individuals should be aware of and supportive of programs to assist our less fortunate neighbors, these things should not and do not define the mission of the church. Then on the other extreme, there are those that suppose the mission of the church is to mandate righteousness. I used to have people come up to me. Some, when, we, when we had our schools, some teachers would come to me and they'd say, you need to make the children do this, and you need to make them do that. And I used to tell them, listen, you cannot mandate righteousness. Did you hear what I said? You can't mandate righteousness. What do you do? You teach righteousness. You lead by example in righteous living. You encourage righteousness. And, and in some aspect, you can demand certain behavior, but you can't mandate a, a righteousness in a person's heart. That has to come from the indwelling Holy Spirit. A preacher can preach, but he can't mandate righteousness to you. He can only preach and hope to inspire and hope to stir your heart, <coughs> and then the Holy Spirit steps up and convicts and, and, and leads. But you can't mandate righteousness. But there are those that try. They have, they have all these rules and all these regulations. They, they've established these standards after the traditions of men. And, and they say, you do this or you, you're not right with God. Matthew 23, we read, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so ye outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Down in, in southern Louisiana, where I grew up, cemeteries are all above ground. And that's because the water table is so high. If you try to, if you try to bury people, they'll just pop right back up out the ground. So cemeteries are above ground. And so you, have, you drive by a cemetery, you don't just see little headstones. You see entire crypts up above the ground. And they have mausoleums and but they have a lot of individual little crypts above ground. And once a year, on All Saints Day, which is the day after Halloween, by the way, you'll, you drive by, a day or two before that, you drive by the cemetery and you'll see people out there scrubbing those crypts and, and scraping them and painting them for All Saints Day so that their loved one's grave is beautiful when the priest comes by and sprinkles water on him and, and does his thing and goes on. 
Well, that's what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is saying, you're like, you're like a tomb. You're like a tomb. You, 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 you make yourself look good outside. That's, and listen, by the way, I believe we should look, act, speak as, as, as good as possible. But, but Jesus is telling these Pharisees, you make yourself all beautiful on the outside, but inside you, 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 you're full of dead man's bones. Inside your heart is, is foul and wicked. And, and you see the problem with these churches that have all of these standards, all these super standards, is yeah, they look real good, hmm. but inside, whew, you wouldn't want their life. I mean, listen, I know things can happen to anyone, but within the group I used to follow, there are men who are in prison today for for molesting children, men who are in prison today for having, having sexual intercourse with teenagers in their youth group, uh, men who, who have committed murder and suicide. There are, there are by the dozens men in, in the ministry who are divorced and children abandoned and all of this in the name of Christ. Why? Because they were living by a set of standards and they got the outside looking real good. But the inside, they didn't worry about. So we have, we have one extreme of churches in America who, who, who have abandoned doctrine and truth and are living for social programs. And then we have another group over here who, who forsakes all of that but, but has all of these standards and rules. <clears throat> and let me just tell you, you don't need rules and standards if you're a child of God and, and you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is going to give you all the rules and standards you need. What's going to come out of you is what's on the outside comes from the inside. And so we, we live right. We walk worthy. The, first thing, the very first thing we read in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. We will walk worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ from our heart. <clears throat> Because the Holy Spirit inspires us to do so. So we see all of this. Methods today have become more important than doctrine. Uh, numbers have become more important than purity. Reputation has become more important than obedience. Fame becomes more important than honor. I've seen churches change from servants of Christ into servants of self. They have gone from humble to haughty. They've replaced compassion with condescension. They've exchanged appreciation for arrogance. <coughs> and this usually occurs when the church loses sight of its focus, of its, of its mission. So today I, I'd like to just take a few minutes and examine the mission of the church. So first this morning, I want to state concerning the mission of the church is that it is to educate its saints. To educate its saints. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12 says, for the perfecting of the saints. Now, the primary mission of the church is the preaching of the gospel. And as we studied last time we met, this responsibility 
is passed on to every individual believer. However, it is the ultimate responsibility of the church to ensure that this commission is carried out. In order to accomplish this, the church must endeavor to instruct all believers that are in the membership of its local assembly regarding matters of doctrine and faith. So the primary mission of the church is the preaching of the gospel, which includes teaching. Now, the time that Jesus spent with his disciples was devoted to mentoring or teaching them. It was not a time of servitude unto himself. Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. He didn't come to be worshipped at that, at that appearance. He came to glorify the Father. And to do so in the same way that you and I must do so. Do you, know, do you understand Jesus is and was every bit God? But he worked in his human, in his human form. Everything he did, he did the same way you and I must do. And that is through who? The Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't, Jesus' powers were not taken from him. He laid them aside. He himself put his powers down, took upon himself the form of a man, human flesh, although not sinful flesh. He had no human nature. He had no sinful nature. But he worked. All that he did, he did through the power of the Holy Spirit. The same way you and I must do our work through the power of the Holy Spirit. But the time Jesus spent on the earth was, was devoted to mentoring or teaching his disciples. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, we see, and it says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them. Matthew chapter 13, verse 54 and when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue. Mark chapter 2 and verse 13. And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. Jesus spent his time on earth teaching. Teaching his disciples, teaching those that came to him. He spent his time on earth teaching of, of God, teaching of God's grace, teaching of God's mercy. He spent his time serving, helping those that needed help, praying for those that needed to be prayed for. He didn't spend his time amassing, trying to amass money or, or trying to become famous or popular. In fact, in fact, Jesus tried to stay as as inconspicuous as possible. It was impossible because everybody flocked to him, but Jesus never once sought to be the center of attention. Boy, we are far cry from Jesus, aren't we? It is the mission of the church to teach its people the things of God. It is the mission to teach 
not to control. It's not, the, it's not the mission of the church to run your life, to control your life. It's the mission of the church to teach you the doctrines and truth of God. It's the mission of the church to, to, to inspire you and to encourage you, but never to control. It's the mission of the church to teach, not to assume your responsibilities. I've had people over the years... When I was a youth pastor, they would come in and they'd say, well, I brought my teenager to this church and you, you failed us. You, did, you, didn't, you didn't do your job. You didn't teach them. Well, I'm sorry, but it's not our job to teach your children. That's your job, Daddy. That's the father's responsibility, by the way. If you, if you, if you study the Word of God, you'll see that it's the father's job to teach and train up your children, not the church. Is the responsibility of the Father. Ephesians 6, 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I've heard people over the years say, I'll throw my son out of the house if he doesn't do what I say. Oh, you sound so wonderful. But you know what? Does God do that to you? Does he? Is God patient with us? Now, now listen, God chastises us, but he never forsakes us, does he? I've heard people say, we came to this church to salvage our marriage and you didn't help us a bit. I'm sorry, but it's not the church's job to salvage your marriage. Now, the church should teach and preach and, 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 and should admonish you in the principles of a good marriage. But it's still up to you to do what you have been taught. It's up to you and your spouse to work things out in your marriage. It's not the church's job. I've heard people say, ah, we gave money to the church and now we're in financial ruin. I'm sorry. But it's not the church's responsibility to balance your checkbook. Or to pay your credit card bills. You understand God gives you all you need. What you do with it is a different story. So people assume that it's the church's job to do all these things, but yet the church can teach you biblical principles on child rearing, on marriage, on, on living by faith, but it is up to you to apply what you have learned and, and, and have been taught, and it's up to you to do it. Now what tools do the church have to teach. Well, tool number one is God's holy word. Second Timothy 3.16 All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The Bible is the blueprint. It contains all the instructions we need to, to build our Christian life. So the first tool the church has to, to teach is, is the, the, whole, the Holy Word, the Word of God. Tool number two is the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, we read, These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. The second tool the church has by which to teach, is the Holy Spirit. It's, a, it's given to us by God. Now, <clears throat> unfortunately, because of some of, the, some of the charismatic churches in America, some people 
stay away from the Holy Spirit. They don't even want to talk about him. It's hush, shh, don't say Holy Spirit. Because if you do, you'll be labeled as a lunatic. But the Holy Spirit is the comforter. He's your companion. He's with you at all times. He instructs. He inspires. He leads. He guides. Listen, embrace the Holy Spirit. He is, he is part of the triune God. It is God's Spirit in your life. <laughs> Enjoy the Holy Spirit. We have a lady at, at church. She's a <coughs> sweet woman, Baptist lady. and She is just so filled with joy. And she goes up and down the hallway there in that health center, singing Bible uh, hymns. And, and she'll tell everybody she sees about her faith in, in Christ. It's just, it's just so wonderful. And I tell her all the time. Uh, she goes by the name Barry. It's not her name, but that's what she goes by. I say, Barry, you just love the Holy Spirit, don't you? Oh, yes, she says. Holy Spirit is my companion. And, and listen, she's not crazy. She's not crazy. She just, she has a friend who she enjoys spending time with, and that's the Holy Spirit. I, th- I think Baptist people have, I think that's something that lacks in many Baptists' life, is the Holy Spirit. Because we, we, we ignore him. And embrace the Holy Spirit in your life. I'm, I'm not encouraging you to become charismatic here, please understand. But understand how much of, how big a, a role in your life the Holy Spirit plays. He will teach you. There are times when I've, I've been confused by scripture and I'll say, Holy Spirit, please, Show me the truth, and, and he will. You know, the Bible says, if, you, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And, and, and the Holy Spirit is God, is he not? Tool number three, we have holy examples. Philippians 3.17, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so, as ye have us for an example. Listen, we have the, we have the apostles, in the word of God, we have the prophets as examples to instruct us and teach us. We have, holy, we have men in our church. We have the pastor. We have our deacons. We have the leaders in the church. People who are good examples that we can, that we can look to and that we can inspire to be like. In, in, in men, in, in godly men, we, we can view the assembled product on and see how it comes together? Have you ever taken something apart to see, see what, how it, what makes it work? My wife, years ago, she bought... How many of you ever seen this, this thing? Called, it's called Big Mouth Billy Bass. Any of you ever see that? Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big bass on a board, and it moves, and it sings, and it talks. My wife bought one for my father, and um, we had it at the house. Now, my son was a tinker. He loved to tinker with things. And I'm walking down the hallway one day, and I passed his room, and I looked through the door. And I took a step, and I stopped. And I came back, and I looked. And he had Big Mouth Billy Bass in about 500 pieces all over the floor. I said, what are you doing? I took it apart to see how it works. I said, let me guess. You can't put it back together. He said, no. Okay. One year for Thanksgiving, he, he, had, he used to love to play with my tools, and 
he was under, he got under our Christmas under our kitchen table, dining room table. He took all the screws out underneath. I had this electric screwdriver. He took them all out, and he didn't know how to put them back in. So Thanksgiving, everybody's around the table. I walked over to pray, and I leaned down on the table, and the whole table came up. <laughs> I managed to save the turkey, but everything else was on the floor. But listen, we have holy examples. We can look at, at the finished product. We can look at these men. There have been men over the years as I've, as I've grown and matured as a believer that, I, that I've looked to. And, and you can see in their life, you can see the, the effectiveness of prayer. You can see how, how the love of Christ has, has developed their heart, the way they think, the way they speak, the way they act. And we have that as examples in the church. That's why a church is so wonderful. Because you bring your children and you sit them next to people who love the Lord. And they have that as an example. And, and as they grow, they, they have people they can, they can look to, people they can trust. So first, the mission of the church is to educate its members. But then secondly, and we're not going to get through all of this today. But secondly, it's to equip its servants. To equip its servants. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 again, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, in a previous lesson, we learned that the word edify means to build up. So one aspect of the church's mission is to build up the believers, to strengthen them and prepare them for battle. Now, in the military, soldiers are educated in boot camp. But they are also equipped to be a soldier. So the education part is in boot camp. You're taught all the rules and regulations and everything else. But the military also has to equip the soldier. Through all of this training and teaching, they develop the attitude of a soldier. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. A soldier must be able to endure pain, fear, hunger, uh, inclement weather, and things such as that. And, and, and a, sold, uh, a soldier develops, or, or uh, a cadet develops the attitude of a soldier through all of his teaching. And through the teaching in the church, we are equipped with the right attitude, with the, with the right priorities. We, we develop the mind of Christ uh, they become proficient with the weaponry of a soldier. Second Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly divided the word of truth. Listen, if the only time you ever study the Bible is on Sunday morning and Wednesday, you're never going to develop strength and you're never going to grow properly as a believer. You apart from, from the church, must study the word of God every day. You must search into and delve into God's word and desire to know and ask your friend to teach you. Who's your friend? Yeah. The Holy Spirit. Ask him to teach you. He will teach you. They're outfitted as a soldier. All these things are, are provided by the military to equip the soldier for battle. And the same is true for the Christian. 
In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 17, we read, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of the faith, the, uh, the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So let's go through the armament real quickly, and we'll be done uh, for this morning. First, loins gird with truth. As soldiers of the Lord, we stand on his truth, not our own opinions. We remain in close fellowship with Christ and remain faithful to his doctrines, and tenets. The second part of the armor is the breastplate of righteousness. This is the heart to do right. And this is the righteousness of Christ. It is by this righteousness that we are able to stand against the accusations and the attacks of Satan. As a, as a soldier of Christ, we have feet shod with the gospel of peace. It is not our message we proclaim. Rather, it is the message of hope in Christ and Christ alone that we bring to a lost world. Our feet are secured and our foundation is sure in Christ and his gospel. Next, we have the shield of faith. With this shield, we are protected from that which we cannot see or fully understand. The attacks we face from the devil and the world are parried by this faith. This faith which is measured to us by God the Father. God gives us the faith we need to withstand the attacks and the accusations and all the things that, that we confront as a Christian. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So never say, I don't have enough faith to live for Christ, because God has given you all the faith you need. Next, we see the helmet of salvation. This is the knowledge or assurance of our salvation. And this emanates from the mind of Christ which you and I have been given. We have the mind of Christ. And lastly, we see the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. Years ago, my son bought one of these medieval swords, and uh, it's not sharp. They, they saw that it's not sharpened. But we were fooling around. I went in the backyard, and this thing is heavy. I don't know if, if men actually fought with these. They were, they were quite some men because that thing is heavy. And <clears throat> there was a good-sized limb on the tree about back, and I walked up to that thing with a dull sword, and I swung it, just the sheer weight of it and the power. It whacked that limb off like butter. But the Bible is sharper than any two-edged sword. So we have all of these We have all of these. Things which with we've been equipped. And, and, and it's the church's responsibility to teach all these things. And, and to, to help us to develop these things. To, to equip us. To 
edify us to live for Christ. All right, folks, we're going to stop right there, and we'll pick up with number three next, next time. Uh, thank you for coming today, and you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.